Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello, and welcome to the after, after, after party, otherwise known as the Examination Podcast. There's been a shakeup in the Quiet Council leadership this week, as I am your host, Dane Rainier, and joining me this week is the man who never misses an episode, the unstoppable juggernaut, Kelsey Strutz. Ah, the Iron Man of the Examination Podcasting world. It continues. The streak continues. Now, How, how took- can my body handle it? I don't know. <laughs> now, we took a week off, and we're now short a member, so you might have been worried. What's happened? Is Quentin finally done reading anything that's not Hellions? No. The real answer is <laughs> we all got a little busy last week getting ready for our event of the season, Quentin's Wedding. The last to fall from our podcasting bachelor ranks, Quentin is now a married man. Congratulations. Before we get into this episode proper, though, Kelsey, how did you enjoy being the nightcrawler of the wedding? My God. Uh... <laughs> I won't pretend I'm not jealous. You got to be I, that color. I enjoyed it quite well. Um, I don't know how everyone else enjoyed me around them. I don't think I was that belligerent. Uh, my legs were quite sore the next day, though, because I was quite intent on cutting a rug, no matter who was there. And um, basically, my whole premise was zero to 100 until I hit a wall. <laughs> but you know what? You hit it at 110, and that's what matters. I did. And you know what? That was my gift. My gift to Quentin. (laughs) Well, we've got a lot to discuss this week, because we missed last week's episode. You guys are getting the Jumbo Carnation episode, covering five total issues. We've got Wolverine 13, Sword 6, Way of X3, X-Factor 10, and Cable 11. And... There's only two of us here now, but if you stick around to the end, we've got a bonus treat as Quentin, fully dedicated to the cause, records his quick thoughts from his honeymoon. From his honeymoon. That's how much this means to him. Quentin's hot takes. He needs you to know, even though he's spending time with his new wife, he, he, he had to get a couple minutes of comics in. Before the issues, as always, let's hook up to Cerebro, see what's new in the world of Marvel. So, first things first, let's stick, as we do regularly now, with MCU stuff. Uh, And their show right now is Loki. Now, we're recording this on a Thursday. So, let's keep in mind, um, we're sticking with episodes two and three. So, we won't discuss any of four until next week, if you've watched that. So, episodes two and three, Kelsey, what'd you think? Still on the right track for me. Uh, Episode two, they reveal, they've got to figure out how the Loki variant is hiding. That's hiding in apocalypses because everyone dies anyway. So really, there's nothing you do that alters what's going to happen. So unless you were to somehow stop that apocalypse, it's not going to cause any type of warnings to go off and no one comes and gets you. So... They then discover that it is, in fact, a Lady Loki, um, hearkening back to either Lady Loki or Enchantress. Kind of has an Enchantress look uh, to the enchanting, I'm using air quotes, you can't see me, enchanting uh, aspect of her magic. Um, Episode three continues Loki's 
attempt to capture himself, Lady himself, and finds him on yet another apocalyptic world that's about to be destroyed, but they're able to sort of mm, kind of suss out each other's backstories. Um, Lady Loki less so, because she is a little more cagey, but they grow a little closer, and towards the end of it, they are attempting to repower one of the time-traveling gadgets, basically, that would allow them to jump to another time zone where, or a timeline that's not being destroyed. Yeah, it feels like they've had a lot of fun with this, because when you can jump anywhere and everywhere, it opens up not just exploring stuff within the traditional Marvel Universe, but also just like, hey, make up planets. Make yeah. up anything you want going on. It's like, would, would this be fun to see? Do it. You want to make right. this set? Make it. Um, you are right. I think the idea of hiding in apocalypses is super cool. It fits within the kind of the rules that they've built, right? That there can't be a variation. Because right. if, if everything dies, why would it, you know, tip the sensors? It's, it's just the way that it's going to be. Um, and yeah, I think it's clearly uh, Enchantress is where they're going with this one because... A, you're right, the look is there. Um, B, they use the word enchant and enchantment about a dozen times. And then her name is Sylvie, which is... Her name, name is Sylvie, yes. But I don't know if if that is... Um, I don't know if that is part of just an homage to Enchantress and it's something else or what. Also, uh, another thing they do reveal is... In the first issue, you kind of get the idea, Owen, Owen Wilson issue, the first part, Owen Wilson is a uh, TVA member and basically makes the impression that they're born here, that they are there made for yeah. this. And, you know, Sylvie, you know, through her findings explains like, oh, no, they're not. They, they all lived out there. They're all variants. Everyone right. who works for the TVA is a variant of someone. They just collect variants as employees. So, yeah, it's and I, you're right, though, because it is, I think it is sort of just an homage to the Enchantress, but there's no reason that doesn't mean this is the Enchantress as far as MCU goes, right? That I think in a lot of ways you can take those liberties, be a little more creative, and it doesn't have to be a one-for-one -one representative. To me, it's kind of a neat take that Enchantress is a... As, you know, an alternate universe Loki that's out there. So um, the one thing I will point out that I thought was super, super cool, because I'm a huge fan of these, is one-shot takes where a long, specifically an action sing, scene, is done in one take. And if you watch the end of episode three, where Loki and Sylvie are going through like this fight scene. They're dipping in and out of buildings. There's explosions, you know, there's hand to hand combat about like the last four minutes of that episode is all one straight take. Um, I guess there are technically opportunities cause there was a lot of CGI in there, but they at the very least set it up in a way that I, I hope that's what it is. I think they're really, really cool to watch cinematically, especially when there's so much action because it means they had to get everything right the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like what, what they started doing. Um, Daredevil started doing that in their stuff. Uh, there would always be one episode a season where it's just one long yes. fight scene, one, you know, and it was just, it, it was almost like an exhausting scene. Like afterwards, you'd be like, 
Oh, gosh, I'm glad we made it through that one. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, because season one is the hallway scene in Daredevil where he just keeps fighting, the camera keeps spinning, people just keep coming out of different doors. And it, it's just amazing because you watch, it's like, A, how are you maneuvering within this, t- it's a hallway within this tight space to shoot this scene. But then B, if anybody screws up any part of that fight, you're like, okay, reset, take it from the top. So and then I think season two of Daredevil it's the stairway fight. Stair, stairway, yeah. Oh, it's it's so cool. So I, I mean, obviously, I, I think most people watching this have probably seen Daredevil, but worth it. Um, another great movie with one takes in them is Children of Men. It has two or three just exceptional. Yes. Long yeah, and that's that's scenes. not as well known of a movie, but yes, uh, car chase style scenes, I believe too. Yeah, because even in in one of them, it's uh, there's a. A kind of a, a mini stunt before the the action starts where two of the characters spit a ping pong ball from one mouth into the other person's mouth. And it's like, that has to be perfect. Or you just reset everything. It's like, all right, do the motorcycle stunt again because they missed the ping pong ball. So I don't know. We're, we're probably getting off track into the cinematic uh, podcast here, but really cool, really neat scene. It definitely stood out to me at the end of... Uh, the end of episode three so four is out go watch if you haven't and you'll hear about that from us next week but moving on continuing in the mcu our news black widow coming up we are now i think eight days away from the uh, multiple uh, delayed black widow movie and i don't know if you've looked at any of the reviews it's gotten sort of mixed reviews that i've heard that it's kind of a darker Bond-like espionage with some really great action sequences and that it's probably really delivered on what it was supposed to be in that sense. But it also has, from what I've understood, some difficulty kind of striking a balance between that and sort of this awkward, dysfunctional family drama story. And then the other criticism that I've heard is it's good. It's just we needed a Black Widow movie like six years ago (laughs) and getting it this late in the game after you know, Scarlett Johansson's rendition of this character has died. It's just maybe too little too late. Yeah, yeah, I I can see the idea of too little too late. I mean, okay, part of that is COVID and everything. There were delays. It's just kept getting kicked back. That hurt. Um, You know, it's it's been coming that, that one of the big Marvel blockbusters would get panned a little more than others. I mean... We've seen it all kind of at this point, so it's going to be very difficult to wow. I have not really set aside time to go see this in the theaters, and I probably won't. And it's not a knock against the film. It's not a knock against Scarlett Johansson. She's nailed the character so far. And the movie does look cool. I like Taskmaster as a bad guy. The If it's anything like um, Winter Soldier, the, the you know, the espionage-style uh, stories telling. I, I'm I'm interested. Um, I I understand that the family dynamic may seem weird, uh, mainly because her only other family dynamic is with the Avengers, the guys' club, basically. I mean, so do you, do you have Disney Plus Premium? I have Premier Access if I want it. Yeah. Okay, so this comes out same day on Disney Plus Premium. If you have, if you're paying for the extra service. It's same day release. Well, what is okay? Premiere is thirty it's, bucks. I think, I think it's the thirty, like the thirty bucks a month version. 
So if you wait, I think the movie will come out in like October on regular Disney Plus. But if you're paying whatever the premium, well, so the premium thing is thirty bucks a month, not thirty bucks a movie. Correct. I think it's just the oh. service. And so oh. a then, lot of then, the I, then I must be have signed up. I must be signed up for it because I well <laughs> I did it the account. I did it for Ryan the Last Dragon, and I just thought it was for the movie. I'm like, well, that's probably what it costs for four people to go to a movie. I get it one time. Okay. Well, you better watch out. You may have been having 30 bucks come out of the account every month since Ryan the Last Dragon. Then. Right. I bet I have. And now I need to <laughs> go figure something out. So everyone listening, uh, if you have it, please, you know, maybe just maybe just keep it around for the week to get Black Widow access. But maybe go check and make sure you're not Kelsey and you haven't spent like 90 bucks on a service you haven't been getting maximum value. Yes, on. correct. <laughs> so, because that was going to be my question is, will you see it? And I was pretty sure you had premium. So it sounds like you have the availability. Yep, I'm going to see it. I uh, can't wait. <laughs> All right, well, sticking moving from Black Widow, but sticking in the MCU back to television. Have you heard about the changes to the final scene in WandaVision? I have heard about it. Um, the stuff I read about it really, it didn't make me... Uh, like go, oh my gosh, they're doing something here. I don't know why you'd mess with the final scene. So in anything yes, though, there's very it's very minimal changing, right? From from what I've heard, the final scene, that one where we're kind of uh, you know big overshot kind of bird's eye view of the woods, and it comes down closer on the cabin that Wanda's sitting on the steps of. But then we see her, the real Wanda's in the back in the you know the Scarlet Witch outfit doing some magic. I guess the trees are different when it's panning in and there appears to be a shape that looks a little like a cape. And so some people are saying, oh, this is a, you know, a tie in to the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. Some people are saying it was supposed to be there the whole time. It was just an editing mistake and they went back and fixed it. But I think the most interesting theory I've heard is that this is actively representing Loki's timeline tampering. That as we're now getting Loki and him hopping through time and creating all these shifts, that we Marvel is hiding these like miniature Easter egg changes in its other products. I I hope that is what it is because if so, that would be cool. Now, I'm not gonna go back and look at every thing to try and find them, but I know someone on the internet will. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna wait until some other some other nerd finds it. Yeah, he'll <laughs> tell me. Those nerds will tell me this is where it's at. I'm like, okay, I gotta check it out. But Which is, I hope that's I hope that's true. I I like that as a theory. I don't know. It's part of me says. I mean, how does anybody ever find this? And so maybe it's too intricate. But the other thing is, how cool way to take advantage of something you can't do with traditional media, right? In the world, even just 10, 15 years ago when everything's DVDs, once the DVD's in your hand, that's it. It can't be changed. But with streaming, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's interesting, the fact that that can be edited at any time. And what you see may not be the same as what you saw the first time through. So I don't know how I necessarily feel about that. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, Cause it's, it is very weird to think that stuff gets, and that happens too. Even like in different shows, you've seen controversial episodes get pulled and you just don't have access to them, but to make changes to the, the individual episode for not a 
a meta reason, but just to literally change what is. It's weird. Um, pulls in that whole are you in the Matrix stuff. Uh, funny side tangent on that. I guess it's Marvel related due to being Disney related. You can't see the original Star Wars unless you have them on like Laserdisc or something. Oh, so, yeah, because they've made so many changes. To those yes. Like, anything on DVD, I know... Any DVD prior is all going to have the extra CGI. Uh, the the remastered stuff on VHS with like the THX sound, there are little changes, I think. But like, so if you want the original stuff, I mean, you, you have to have Laserdisc. You have to have a, a dead medium. Not even VHS is a right. to get original Star Wars. Because you've got, you're right, you get that remastered sound. But it is an interesting question to think about, but it, this is an intriguing way to use that, if that is, of course, the case, and it's not just them fixing a mistake. <laughs> so that's a lot of MCU talk, TV and movies. I think it's probably time at this point heading down to Gray Malkin Lane and talking about our comics this week. Taking this off is Wolverine. Number 13, Kelsey, what happened? Wolverine uh, picks up where we left off with the plant creatures of something Verde uh, on the loose. Uh, Beast's big old plan is kind of backfiring, and the rest of X-Force is now going to have to pick up the pieces but do it a little stealthy so as not to alert everyone else at the party. Um, during this time... The other members of X-Force start to realize that Beast has been up to some ne'er-do-welling uh, activities. Um, Wolverine himself starts to actually take some long thoughts about, man, this isn't exactly what I signed up for. I kind of thought we were going to be different. And uh, Deadpool even shows up once again to help try and save the day. Um as they look to kind of solve the mystery of why Beast's plan went awry, uh, uh, Emma's brother, currently moving the Marauder to drop off the Shi'ar crystals to Krakoa, is killed by a mysterious stranger. And the last thing we hear is that the Marauder is now in Madripoor, burning. Yeah, a lot going on a couple of different storylines in this one but here's the thing honestly did you while reading this at any point think to yourself am i reading another x-force oh this is this is 100 using the wolverine title to carry over the x-force storyline that that is exactly what they did yeah wolverine was not even a, a big factor in this i mean he's in it because he's on x-force but I mean, this was just getting two issues of X Force at the at the gala. Well, so to, to be fair, that's fine by me because I don't know how you were shoving Dracula into this, or uh, you know what? Well, I guess Dracula could have been invited. <laughs> He's a dignitary, right, of another country, I suppose. If Doctor Doom can show up, Dracula can be there, guys. I feel like the Wolverine has had like two. This, the book itself, right, has, like, two storylines. You have, like, actual Wolverine, and then you just have been a secondary X-Force book that kind of focuses on Wolverine. 
And so, you know, Wolverine normally has been Wolverine and the Vampires. I think we hit a hot streak when it was Maverick and the Auction House. Like, those were, were great. But, I mean... There was the gray lady or the white lady or whatever, the, the drug one with CIA. Right. So it's like we're, we're just cycling through a couple of like different actual solo Wolverine stories. But then the other half is just second parts of X-Force books. Because even the white lady, I think, by a certain point became like the big mission with the whole team was kind of more of an X-Force book. And so I don't know. I just I struggle with this book. I think sometimes figuring out what it is and, and where it's at. I think it suffers from what early X-Men had, where it's just kind of all kinds of different stuff going on. I don't know what I'm going to get week. Yeah. I mean, I'll say I, I kind of like the art this week. It, it, it harkened back to um, an older Wolverine style of, of drawing, um, just the way they penciled him and colored him. Um, I'm, I'm always a sucker for Deadpool showing up, especially his little, little comment at the end, the little X-Force comment at the end it's like will you guys let me in now how about now i i i dig that they keep that going um and you know at least finally some of beast chickens are coming home to roost even though it seems like he will suffer for nothing so that's what i was gonna ask you the terra verde thing is this worth it like do you feel like the payout here makes the previous stories better that we've this terra verde thing's been set up since i mean what the fourth or fifth issue of I mean, way back in X Force, this is. I'm glad um, they they're they're trying to actually, you know, complete a story of some form and make it. You know, it, I I don't mind when you start something long ago and let it there to grow a little bit and then bring it up later. But was that, was that a, a intentional Terra Verde plant pun? Yeah. Okay. Good. But. You know, if if you just drop it there and give too much time for people to forget, it, it's it's wasted. So this, they kind of would every now and then keep it going or watering it, if you will, if you'll. <laughs> um, but so so I like what they they've they've done here on this. I mean, again, I still find it as as they're running a, a government that. You know, Beast is even allowed to do this. I mean, that that they've just given this blank slate and there's just no repercussions for this guy. Like, Trial Magneto's next. I'm sorry, it should be Trial of Beast. Hank McCoy should be on trial. So, no, I think you're absolutely right because I don't know that I think this story is awesome. I don't know that I think it's the best way to use Terra Verde, but I love that it's coming back. I love that it is an interwoven piece of this, that they, you know, they they laid the seeds for this story and they've let it, ah, and they've let it grow and it continues to be a part. It makes the world feel a little bigger, a little more natural, that they have real, at least governmental consequences. But... Here's a, you, all right, so talking about Beast, right? Beast, they've clearly set up as a bad guy. There's no question as to what he's doing. But thinking about what's happening in the larger narrative here, is, I mean, is Beast comparatively that much worse than terraforming a planet and declaring yourself in charge of the solar system? I mean, aren't these both classic oh, supervillain moves? Yeah, yeah. What's going on on the grand scale right now is bananas okay the the beast stuff is more bad guy ish because it's 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 a very it's very hard to justify oh this is good for the nation when you've 
literally enslaved a a race of people. I mean, that is what that is. He has mind controlled all these people. They are slaves. Um, at least with the at least with the, the Martian thing is it's a dead planet. Now it's still a big you know flex on all other nations on Earth. I don't think it's necessarily just the taking of the planet. It's then declaring yourself. Oh, now there's two planets in the system, so uh, we're in charge of it. Yes, yeah, but we'll deal with that when we get to sword, sword. number six. Good transition, Kelsey. Look, Quentin's not here. We just naturally fill in those gaps. Yes. So, Kelsey, sword number six. What happened there? Sword number six opens up with a kind of a heart to heart between Doctor Doom and. Uh, Captain America. Captain America's been watching kind of people leave the party. Uh, you know, Henry Gyrich and um, now I can't think. Guardian? No. I don't know. Captain Canada? What's no. Oh, I can't. Oh, anyway, part of Department H. Um, you know, having their discussion about Orcus, etc. Like, so he's overhearing people's fallout from this event. Um, and Captain America has a discussion with Dr. Doom, kind of his perspective on that when he woke up from the ice, you know, he saw that, oh, wow, man landed on the moon and he was thrilled with with what could happen and was almost disappointed that now he sees that he's watching from the sidelines and not just watching from the sidelines, but that like humans didn't even get to participate that they weren't asked to participate. You know, like it wasn't a coming together moment. It was a dividing moment for him. And Dr. Doom then must go upon his way. Uh, We go forward to uh, the sword station and having a diplomatic meeting between Abigail Brand and representatives of other factions throughout the galaxy now. And basically... Brand is laying down that, hey, we've terraformed this planet. We have shown what we as a species, I mean, they keep saying Earthers, but she means mutants, are capable of. And that they will now deal with Mars as the um, main part of the solar system. That is where they go to. Um, There's bickering back and forth as Brand offers them a new uh, unit called Mysterium of some condensed metal that can be that's very, very, very light, but very, very, very hard, almost unbreakable, offered as a gift to everyone who will take it, kind of like the Krakoan um, uh, medicines. Uh, this is now offered to galactic places. Wakanda obviously says, yeah, we'll take the gift, but we'll never want any more. We're only accepting it because it's a gift. Um, but even in this meeting, there are questions about, you know, how well this goes over. Um, um, you know, Nova is obviously like, hey, wait a minute, I'm the representative here. What just happened? And, you know, they bring up the um, frenzy mentions like you weren't here when Noel was here. So obviously you've got too many, too many things to deal with. Um, Dr. Doom interjects, though, wondering, it's like, well, if... Mars is in charge. Who who's in charge of Mars? Who are we supposed to speak to? And bum bum bum, it is revealed that the regent of Mars is or Araco, sorry, planet Araco, which they've now renamed, uh, is none other than Storm herself. And 
be speaking to Storm. Going back to um, the Hellfire Gala, Magneto is enjoying a drink at the end of the evening when a late arrival shows up. Someone he invited and had hoped would be able to be there early, but decided she wouldn't show up too early or during the party to upset anyone is Wanda. Um, Wanda, as we know, is called, I believe, the pretender, the, the false one, or basically they, she is not well received by mutant kind due to a certain issue. Go see, what was it? House of M. Um, go see House of M issues, all of them, and see what happens at the end. Uh, they are able to embrace, though, as father and daughter, and he, Magneto seems that he wants to make some type of reconciliation with her. This is kind of important, as I believe she is part Kree, and I believe the Kree throne world has mentioned before why they're hesitant on dealing with the Krakoans due to the way they talk about Wanda, who was, I believe, genetically related to the uh, to, to the to the royal family there. Sword, if you know, we have planet size X Men was the big reveal. Sword is sort of the start of the fallout. So let's start at the end where we're at. We were talking about Magneto and Wanda. So just making sure you know, everything that's going on. Uh, what? All right, I guess we'll start here. Do you know that it's there a lot? A, There's a lot there happening in this yeah, one. And you, I mean, you need a family tree to keep track of some stuff here, and the family tree doesn't stay the same. So I, I think you know this, but a few years ago there was a retcon that Wanda and Quicksilver aren't mutants, and they're not actually the children of Magneto. Correct. Correct. So, I, I was aware of that. I don't know how in detail, and I, I remember it having to do with the movies kind of coming out and everything. Yeah, so I, everyone's kind of like, this is ridiculous. I, I, too, was almost so – well, not almost. I was so mad. I didn't dig into how or what the details of that are because it's stupid, to be quite frank. I refuse to acknowledge it because it is sort of a big – I mean, it's, it's, it is it's a character-defining moment because of a, a legal fight. And normally, that should be what I'm all about. But, but, I mean, we're talking about something that this is who gets to use these characters in movies. And almost out of spite, Marvel is like, well – I know there's this sort of this, like who gets them because they're Magneto's kids and they're mutants, but then they're also Avengers. And they're like, well, we'll just make them not mutants. And just sort of gave the finger to Fox. And now they have them back, but they've already made the decision. So does that, I don't know, how does that affect this moment for you? Does knowing that it's not actually his daughter take away or does it add to it knowing that he still has those feelings for her? You know, this falls under the line of, a step parent or an adopted parent, someone who stepped up and took care of them. Um, so I, I would almost say it strengthens it. Cause it's not like, like Magneto seems like the type who, if you're not blood, you're nothing. I mean, if you don't share a genetic relationship with him, you're, you're barely worth acknowledging. Like the fact that, that he's like, yeah, we're not, you're not genetically my daughter and you're not a mutant, which Magneto is a racist. Oh, yeah. Big time. 100%. So his one is to say, it's like, but you know what? I raised you and you're my daughter. You know, that that's yeah. a big deal. It is as much as I hate it. I think you might be right that it maybe adds a little extra 
to to what's going on. Um, clearing up more family tree stuff. Wanda is not part Cree. Wanda is technically the mother of Speed and Wiccan. Yes. Who you've seen them in WandaVision. Yeah. Uh, Tommy and Billy. They are technically like lost souls plucked from wherever souls are because vision is their father. So she just sort of manifested children, like took children from purgatory kind of thing. Kind, and just yeah. and shoved these souls into their bodies. And then Mephisto took them away, but then those souls were reborn into two children, which are Billy Kaplan, otherwise known as Wiccan. Yeah. And, um, Oh, Thomas, I can't think of Tommy's last name right now. Shepard, it was Speed, Young Avengers. Go read that, please do. Um, and we see Speed in another issue later uh, in X Factor. But so, Will or Billy uh, Wiccan is married to Hulkling. Right. Oh, Hulkling is Cree. Correct. And Hulkling is the is a Cree scroll hybrid. And he is the great unifier. He is currently in ch- the king of that alliance. Correct, because they, they, yeah, that's right. They made peace. That's why Pybok is mentions it. Correct. Yeah. These so, are- so that's what they've talked about: is that the Cree alliance in any dealings with Krakoa and the X Men, the Cree Scroll Alliance, is kind of interesting because the X Men hate the king of the alliance's mother in law, and so it's a, it's an interesting family dynamic twist i love it because i love the young avengers and i'll read anything that any of them are in so i i highly recommend all that but yeah it's it is a convoluted family tree but i'm glad to i'm glad to see that start coming out though as part of the political drama of what krakow is doing where they're like ah we're gonna just walk on the stage and you have you know big time players going it's like listen I see what you're doing, but, uh, you know, it's like right. to the mother-in-law of our king. So, you know, yeah, you've got an intergalactic powerhouse that you're trying to keep political alliances with, but you've built your culture around hating his mother-in-law. And it's like, yeah. what, do you, what do you want me to do with that? Right. So as much, I mean, we could, we're talking about like the last three pages of this and the, the, uh, you know, Magneto family tree, but there, there's some big, you know, the big reveal of storm as the, the regent of Mars and really the, the focal point of the solar system. That's it. You know, we knew something was big was coming for her. We didn't know it was, I don't think we knew it was this big. I mean, that's an enormous role to play in this uh, situation. But the other thing that I want to talk about in this issue that I think was interesting to me, and I want to know if you felt the same way viewing sort of the reaction to this event of planet size X-Men through the lens of captain America and doom. Was that worth it to you to spend the time seeing this through their eyes? 100%. Um, here's why. Captain America has a unique position in the eras he has seen unfold. The things he has seen, the changes in the world, and his perspective is important. Like Doom says, where he's like, we both represent our country. You know, we're, we're both represented, you know, and we're the faces of our nation. And to, to finally have Captain America kind of say what he feels about everything happening, like where he asks, like, are you, you know, Dr. Doom asked him, are you are you afraid? Are you scared? It's like, no, it's not that, you know, it, it's almost it is almost he is forlorn that what he sees is not uniting at all. Like he, this will not unite 
these people, you know, that there's troubles going to come of this, not, not anything great. And, and part of it is he's like, he says, we're watching humanity. He means is watching from the sidelines. Like we're no longer in charge of the destiny in our solar system at this point. It is kind of a cool look because I think it does justice to the character of Captain America. I didn't mean to do that, but because he doesn't seem jealous, like they didn't get to do it or that they weren't a part of it. I think you're right that it's more just that he sees the the spike. This is going to drive things further apart. It was already hard to justify what was going on to, to continue to think of these people as friends. And it's like, you knew this was going to cause problems, Krakoa. And you just did it. No, no asking, no heads up, nothing. You just did it. And it's like, we, he knows what kind of a wedge this is going to continue to drive. And I, I do think it was interesting to see it, not just from his eyes, but also the view of, you know, the character in some ways considered his total opposite in Dr. Doom. It was, just, it was an interesting take, I thought, opening up the issue with that, a conversation between rivals like that. I, and I gotta say, Dr. Doom did well this issue. I mean, the way he enters the room is just... who. They wrote Doctor Doom very well. I mean, the w- the way he shows up for the meeting and just kind of just looks at Star Lord and just the antlers. I mean, he's like, "What are you doing? What is this?" All right. So while there may be some cosmic level space problems, we've got some more spiritual and existential problems in Way of X number three. Opening this book, we're treated to a literal first person perspective of Nightcrawler's time at the gala. His alcohol consumption as well as existential crisis combine for a wicked hangover the next morning. And while Kirk continues to grapple with the first law of Krakoa, despite some entertaining objections from Dr. Nemesis, Pixie requests Legion's help as Mercury and Loa are having difficulty with intimacy due to the latter's powers. Legion has the answer in the form of a mental link, but it winds up sharing too much and driving the two apart. Ultimately, though, the whole thing was Legion baiting a psychic monster anyway. Meanwhile, Kurt finds Stacy X handing out condoms to the mutants of Krakoa, thwarting the law of make more mutants. Even more to Kurt's dismay, she set up sort of a psychic brothel for the mutants, used for anything but procreation. But stunningly, she reveals to Nightcrawler, not only is she making mutants happy, she's also working with Loss to run a nursery for the abandoned mutant children that she stumbles upon. Finally, when Fabian Cortez pushes loss too far, a small glimpse of Onslaught pushes her to violence, and the whole Way of X team jumps into action before grabbing and sharing a drink at the Green Lagoon. So, Kelsey, Way of X number three. We now have, I think three is probably where we get to a point where we, we can really talk I, about I love this book as a whole so far. Why? It, what do you love about it? It is finally asking some serious questions about this whole experiment. I mean, just getting into the three laws, the, the making more mutants thing it is great. I, it, the, the giant sized Nightcrawler did not have him go to these depths of, of introspection. Um, this does. 
you know, the questions of, well, we can just be reborn. It is, does it matter that we die? Um, the, the brothel idea where it's like, well, you know, they're not making more mutants. Uh, then the, the revelation that's like, oh, they're making mutants. They're abandoning babies because they don't care. Um, and I believe it, well, Legion had brought it up in the last issue, kind of explained. It's like, listen, they're looking to see. It's like everyone is immortal here. Everything you want, you have you're becoming less of a collective. You don't care as much about your society. It's all this individual me, me, me. I am immortal. You have nothing to live for anymore. You know, what houses erodes your society and that your enemies are even looking to say, it's like, this will erode them. We can, let's see how this works. And, but they ask these questions, every issue so far, and they knock it out of the park as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, th that's not even talking about the doing the whole first part of it first person. You know, the, just the kind of good decisions and storytelling that way. But the questions they asked are the questions that have needed to be asked for a while. All right, so let me, let me break this down. We'll talk macro and we'll talk micro. Let's start macro because I think that's what we've, we've said a lot about this book and, and what makes it generally great. And that is that Nightcrawler is asking the questions. He's going on a, a journey of discovery about this mutant culture. And it's we're focusing right now on the first law. And it's it's even more interesting because this is the one he proposed all the way back in. And it's fun because this book, it doesn't really further the gala, but it uses the gala to further itself in these big what questions am I, am I asking? And it's intriguing to me because I think if if you describe this book to me, you could write two descriptions of this book. One is obviously, you know, Nightcrawler, a main book with Nightcrawler taking on these questions. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to have all the questions you do and have all the problems at the island that you do it, but he's going to vocalize them. And I'd be like, yes. And there's another part of me that says, if you pitch this book as just like, oh, one mutant looks into anthropological answers about what makes a culture. It's like, that sounds so boring, but it's so interesting that you're absolutely right. What does it mean when you have immortality? How does a culture change? Can it look like any culture we know if there is no end? You know, why are people okay with abandoning children? They just, nobody cares because what does life mean if it, if it doesn't mean anything. And so it, it's kind of messed up, but it's exactly, we've been saying this since the beginning, since Hoxpox. It's like, yeah, this is kind of messed up. I don't know that we're the good guys. And this book is making me think maybe it's not good guys, bad guys. Maybe it's just, you know, what does it mean to be in a society where the rules are entirely different than we've ever known, which is wild because we're talking about comics where anything can happen. But yet this is the book out of all of the books, out of all the X-Men books, it's really pushing the limits of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and everyone in it has something to offer. Pixie has offered, so it, like, like along the main line of questioning, Pixie is offering it, Legion's offering it. I mean, it is not stopping. Yeah, they are using the small pieces to tell the big picture story. And so that's, let's jump down into the micro then I'll talk with you. You mentioned the first person perspective does it help you seeing kind of that interesting version of using it? And 
having seen Nightcrawler throughout all the books, he's been a background piece in every Gala book. Do those little, even if they're just small, funny moments, does that make this issue hit harder for you? That attention to detail is great to me as, you know, for, for the writer, the editor, you know, the, 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 the artists putting that together and saying, Hey, you know, he's in all of these. Let's put him back and all. Let's just do his story. Let's do it first person, you know, and that, you know, paying attention to what's going on. I, I like that. I like that attention that they gave to it. It, it, yeah, we, we yeah, rip editors. We rip yeah. editors a lot here for missing context or continuity. But you're right. It because it's not just it's not like there could have just been a meeting where they're like, all right, everyone needs to put a scene with drunk nightcrawler in your book. Some of them had to be kind of specific. Because in Excalibur, it's specifically about him confronting Megan, knowing that she has that she's pregnant. And we see it now in this book how he knew that he's talking with North Star and North Star's husband about it drunkenly it gets spilled to him that she's probably pregnant and so he just drunkenly goes and spills it to her that he knows so i think we do have to give credit where it's due that there had to be a level of coordination across all these books we don't always see and at least and in many ways it winds up benefiting i think one of the better books but this had to be a a cross-title concentrated effort to get this nightcrawler story in there across all the books yeah, I'm wondering, like, does the writer and the editor, did, did, did they go to the other books and say, hey, could you just, just fit Nightcrawler in there a little bit? He's drunk at the party. Can you just fit him in, give us a panel so we can, and, and we've got something we want to try? Or were all these other issues just kind of rolling with, it's like, eh, he's there, screw it, let's let's make him do this or that. And then the, you know, writer Wave X like, yeah, let's let's run with this. I feel like it's too specific the way that he's at because he's it's not just right. drunk nightcrawler. It's the drunk. You know, I think we all have that friend who gets overly philosophical and existential. Oh yeah, we do. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we do. I know what that one. It, what does it mean? Are we alone? I mean, that are we not like, just on the back of a turtle? Right, and so I think it's. I think it had to have been more specific. That there had to have been at some ex gala meeting when we're like, all right, here's our objectives. Here's what people need to do. And, you know, uh, if you can work in drunk existential nightcrawler and specific books, here's, you know, give this specific direction, but yeah, it's just, it makes the whole thing again, pop and feel authentic and tied into the world. So way of X just getting ramped up and started with issue number three, but X factor comes to an end. Yeah, let's save X Factor for after cable. Well, but X Factor is you want to go cable? Well, because X Factor has that the, the big reveal type thing at the end that sort of will lead into the next All saga. Right. All right, I know, we'll I know. Quentin's gonna say, Oh, you should have saved the best one for last. But <laughs> well, cable was a great issue. Uh so then I'll I'll amend my transition though. Ramping up Cable is almost wrapped up itself. We have the second to last issue, uh, Cable number 11. And in this book, Cable knows how to find strife, but he's going to need Cable. He has what? To 
He's got to convince his parents. He's got to convince the five. He's got to convince Xavier, practically the whole island, to resurrect the old man. But eventually, he gets the green light to bring back the old but not old old man Cable. Old Cable grabs magic and gets to work finding strife to stop him from sacrificing the kidnapped mutant babies to start a demon invasion of Krakoa and Earth. The landscape of this area obviously reminiscent of these flash-forward scenes we've been seeing at the end of our recent Cable issues. Kid Cable starts gathering the cavalry, X-Force regulars Domino and Deadpool, his parents, Scott and Jean, his now ex-girlfriend, Esma of the Cuckoos, as well as his sister, Rachel, and pseudo-time-displaced daughter, but not really daughter, Hope. Just as Strife is set to begin sacrificing the babies, Old Cable crashes out a window to stop him as the Krakoan gate begins to open for reinforcements to arrive. Kelsey, we Cable feels like the ultimate action movie. It, it, yes, that's a good way to point it because there were some pithy one-liner behaviors towards the end where he's like perched above Strife and they're both mouthing off like without knowing the other one's there. That kind of felt cheesy but also you're like okay it's like an action it's so movie. cheesy um what i like about cable is it has kept us guessing about what this dystopian future and everything is because at one point we're like oh it's young cable when he's old because he's got the light of galador with him and now we're like well now this cable had the light of galador no, with him so just, maybe it's because it resurrected gave the sword yeah it's like oh so what is it or or is that whole is that thing a completely different thing i don't i i don't know i don't know um i do like them resurrecting cable I like older Cable's kind of just attitude. Um, get out of my chair. Yeah, get out of my chair. Uh, obviously, always entertaining when they bring his main pal Deadpool in. And yeah, I I liked I liked this one this one pretty well. Um, I don't know if this is my favorite of the week. I'll say that. Ooh, that's that's a bold claim. Then it was it was a very good comic, and it definitely advanced its own story, or is at least coming to the point to bring it to the end. But so far, this plot seems basic. It is basic, but it's basic in a way that it knows what it is, and it's deli- it's <sighs> delivering exquisitely on it's. Because it's not complicated, right? It's, it's super. It's not. Super, but my issue is, it set itself up to be complicated. It's so here's you know so. But again, I, it, it's being handled very well. It's being delivered very well. It's very enjoyable. The small stuff is handled well, right? We got a setup for what was coming multiple issues ago, which tells me this isn't random. They're not nope. making it up as they go. They had a story they wanted to tell. And I hate that this is going to be done in a few weeks with issue 12, but it tells me they knew what they wanted to do and they're doing it. Yeah. And they're not, they're not going to stick around just because they can. They told the story they want to tell. And it, I think if you think of this as an homage to some of those kind of cheesy eighties action movies, the one liners are cheesy. We've got whole panels of them, you know, getting the, 
getting the gang back together yeah, they're, yeah. wagon you know you've got somebody crashing through a window the plot is 80s cheesy he's sacrificing babies, babies to summon a demon, demon war. like yeah that is it is so cheesy to take over Krakoa for what no we've got cable you know young kid cable rolling up to kiss his ex-girlfriend and being like i know you broke up with me but I'm not going to do this without you. Like it is utterly cheese, but it that's what this book has been. And I've said this before, maybe even more than Hellions, which I know we all love. Cable is what it is and it knows what it is and it delivers. Oh, Cable is, is great. Again, let me, you know, I'm not knocking Cable. No, I know, know, I know. It's no, it's just I can understand. I mean, what you're what what you're hearing is cable is trash, and no, 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 not not at all. I can understand how people would say, like, if this book isn't for you, if it is just too cheesy. But I mean, think about the cable. The last line of this book is old cable jumping out and saying, "You damn dirty clone!" Like, this is just beautiful. Yes, this is Clint Eastwood in a bad action movie. But it knows that it's that. And it's, I, I love it. I really, really love I This is, I hope that these 12 issues can be collected in a hardback. I'll buy it in an instant. It's a phenomenal tale that's getting told. And I can't wait to see this wrap up because everything that's delivered so far, I have no doubt. Much like Old Man Cable at the end of this issue, we're going to stick the landing. All right. So given that we've, we've stepped off of Cable, we stepped away from the gala for just a second. Let's wrap up the Hellfire Gala then. Let's wrap X it up. Factor 10. Kelsey, what happens? Yeah, X Factor 10 um, opens up with, well, X Factor's at the party, getting ready for the party. Um, basically, <laughs> this one deals a lot with Prodigy. Um, they're, they're finally starting to come figure out the mystery of how Prodigy died issues and issues ago and using getting a, a, a couple leads and everything they return to a bar that prodigy disappeared from uh i boy comes to lend a hand and discover who murdered prodigy uh, putting that aside they're able to continue their work and there's a little closing up or, or, or closing the closing the book on relationships between like Polaris and North star uh, as she is going off to be an X-Man and he is still doing his X factor thing. It, it ends though with the discovery of another body. And really this is the most important portion of it is the discovery of the body is the Scarlet witch. And now we're set up for the trial of Magneto, theoretically. With this and movie. you know what? I'll say this. Didn't see it coming. Now, I did not see that that being the trial of Magneto would be Scarlet Witch related. They brought it on suddenly. I'll say that. But they did set it up a week ago with Sword being there. And it's nice that it's Scarlet Witch because guess what? Can't be resurrected, not a mutant. So that, that cheapness of not being dead kind of thing it's not there with this one she's dead so 
until we um, find out she is a mutant. This this was an odd issue. There were good things and bad things. Like I liked that iBoy is suddenly and they've hinted at this, but that his power level would be increasing. You know, uh, North Star was aware of it and was trying to keep it secret. And I liked iBoy kind of revealing that it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of play dumb a lot of the time because people let their guard down. And it's a lot easier to, to read them, you know, and I, I liked that sort of aspect of him. I don't know where he shoots energy beams from, but fine, whatever. I mean, it's easy to explain, I guess, when it's a comic book. Um I don't know. Prodigy, I'm assuming he wasn't wearing a jumbo carnation style outfit because well, if he, because if they he mentioned, was, they mentioned that that he was at the the bar was it was fairy tale night, which explains a little bit. So I don't know if it is exact or I don't, you know maybe he went to jumbo and said not hey, it's not important. Yeah, I mean it was kind of a cool little murder mystery, like solve my own the who killed me, you know, solve my own murder. I mean that that was feels fun. very X Factor. Yeah, so I'm glad they got back to that aspect because Shatterstar shows up too at some point and it's mysterious, but really has no like maybe someone else is going to run with that later. Um, but mainly, this is a setup for the trial of Magneto, and and I enjoy, I enjoyed that. I'm glad they kind of got back to better form with that. Okay, so it's again, I'll kind of split it up. Let's save trial of Magneto as sort of a post discussion okay. thing, and let's talk about just X Factor as as a whole. This book, it, what I liked about it was it harkened back to the initial gala issue for me, where we get the parts of the night woven through with the timestamps. I, I remember saying, I really love that. It made me feel like clue, right? We're going to yes. fill in these parts. Yes. And it, it felt like we got at the beginning of the end and maybe not the rest of it. So I, I liked that that was kind of brought back. Um, There's a pretty heavy storyline in here. You know, as much as we want to jump to the end and talk about the implications True. later. I mean, there is a big storyline involving you know, hate-based violence. Yes. Yeah, that, that's true. And it's, something they, and it's something they've been working on early on. I mean, this this yeah. was a, a mystery that kind of got, we thought, sidelined and, you know, where they're, you know, Prodigy comes back. We know he's dead. Well, we don't have a body. You know, they, they mentioned that several times. Like, we never found his body, but we know he's dead. It's like, okay. Yeah, and that's, uh, this book, it comes, it ends where it began, right? This is a book about mm-hmm. mysteries and solving them. And not only do we get a resolution, do we figure something out about what happened to Prodigy, but also what happened to Aurora. We get, I mean, it's yes. really just one bubble, but Dakin reveals what happened, that Aurora sort of killed herself to give her a level of plausible deniability right. for what she had done. And so this is a book that, when you look at it, what is it about? I think the book is about mysteries, but also... I think they made a concentrated effort to point out at the end of this that it's also about diversity. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a this is a book where, I mean, you're not going to find. I'm trying to think now if there is a, you know, just a a purely straight white man involved in this book that they've gone out of their way I-boy. to make sure. Yeah, I guess iBoy may be the only, but they've gone out of their way to make sure that this is a book that has diversity in in spades in so many ways. And, and, and they tackle it without it being 
I, so for a while, I was thinking this is a book with diversity that wasn't about diversity. And so that was an interesting, but, but this ending clearly is about diversity in that way. Yes. And it seems, it seems a little rushed, but I think I'm, I can attribute that to knowing that they got canceled, right? That this, the mystery with Prodigy, I think should have been resolved better or given more steps because it feels rushed, but I think they knew what they wanted to do and they got told, you got to figure it out and do it in. I mean, it made me want to like, it made me wish that they hadn't gone into this whole thing with Siren. Yeah, and, they haven't. You, and, but I think the they, they thought they had more time. Yeah. Right. That They had this prodigy storyline that they could spread out over more time, have it really kick at the end. And unfortunately, I think they just had to do it all at once. And it, I don't think it gave justice to a story that deserved it the way that they wanted to to tell it. So here's what I want to ask, though, because this is the end of X Factor. It is over. Yeah. When you look back and think about this book, what are you going to remember about it? I'm going to remember North Star. I'm going to remember the setups for the mystery and the attempts at tackling murder mystery, basically, with people who can be resurrected, people who don't die. So that that was a compelling argument for me as the you know uh investigating people who may not want you know they may not want to have you discover why they're dying like Siren you know she she was a victim she was a hostile victim though um that was a I, neat take on and how do you you know you're investigating the murder of somebody who wants to be murdered or has to be murdered because you're right i would remember getting the idea of this book it's like how do you investigate someone doesn't want to be investigated or who's actively trying to stop you from investigating their own death? their own death yeah yeah i mean that is a a a hot new that you can't do it it used a tool at their disposal that nobody else has at their disposal Mm -hmm. especially you know in marvel so that was an interesting I like the way they really use big. their powers. Um, the use of characters like Eyeboy. I mean, I came to really like Eyeboy by the end of this. Just the way he would talk. Dakin was fun. Uh, really, everyone in it ha- had moments to shine. You're, it, yeah, it has portions of a kind of a Motley Crew family book. A detective agency book. But the, the first thing you said... I think is the thing I'm going to remember. And that's North star. North star was the thing that came out of this for me. The, I want more. The way he, the way he lips off to Xavier about stuff too. Like where it's like, Nope, I run this. Nope. I'm not telling you about what's going on. Nope. That, that he feels fine sticking up to Xavier, but at the same time, you know, he's sort of the dad of this weird family that he has to be kind of iron fisted at times. But then we also get this really, heartfelt moment between him and uh, Lorno Polaris that it's like, look, we all knew you were going to go do bigger and better things. Like go, go kill it kid. And it, you know, it's just, I, he's just been such a fun You're going on to the to show. You're going right. To the yeah. Show. He's, he's just been such an awesome character to me that I want to see him continue. I want to see him go into something else. And I think we've talked about this before. It's, he's such a, a great character that he's been fun. He's so diverse and that it is, you know, it is a, I don't know, just in a book of diversity that it doesn't all just have to be these stereotypes, right? That he is, 
right. who he is, being gay, having a husband, it is in no way a defining feature for him. He, he just, is a masculine, is. Ma- like he portrays right. a masculine man who is a happily married gay man. Right. He, lo- that, he loves him. who he is. He you know? loves a man, but that's, it's like, okay, that's a side. Now yep. here's what he is. He's brash. He can be an asshole. <laughs> he loves this. You know, there's, it's not a defining feature of him that I think in media, it's so easy to just, okay, that's the gay one. How do we make sure people know he's gay? And that's not North Star at all. It's just like, yeah, he has a husband, whatever. Move on. This is a, a weird comparison, but uh, the captain in Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah, you know. <laughs> it's like it's like they are business. Captain Holt. Yeah, you Captain are <laughs> he is business. He is he does his it's like he's good at what he does. He's gay. And yeah. it's like, yeah, no apology. <laughs> Don't need it. That Go is <laughs> I never would have drawn that comparison, but I do you're right. I do enjoy that getting that. So here's the my one conspiracy theory though, coming out of this book. It ends with a a note from the, you know, sort of the creative team and the authors, right? The start of that note is that it talks about when all of the X-Office writers and editors were mulling over who would be good candidates for the first ever X-Men team election, that they she suggested Polaris. Polaris was the fan vote winner. Yeah. This kind of seems to me maybe that's not entirely true. Yeah. Um I I don't know. Like maybe it's saying it's like, oh, Polaris would be a good candidate. Maybe that's what you're saying. I mean, Everyone had to This kind of reads to me like they made a decision mm-hmm. and then created a fan vote on it and then probably shouldn't have published this paragraph yeah and just dumped all the votes out the back like it is i'm gonna have a hard time believing after reading this that there wasn't a decision to put polaris on the team and they're like oh we'll make her the fan vote one yeah just throw a bunch and i don't know maybe maybe she really did win the vote after this but this kind of seems like it was preordained she was getting on that team but i don't want that to take away from what i thought was a great book. I don't mean just X Factor 10. I mean X Factor as a whole. I was a really big fan. It's re it's high up there for me. If you haven't read it, I recommend going back and reading it. It it you know it has some low points, but it has a lot of interesting high points for me as well. So I it's a book that I'm going to remember and I probably will go back and read at some point. Yeah. Um you know it it had low points where it was starting to drop off, but again I feel a lot of that can be attributed to feeling rushed. I mean that, that, you know, they were getting canceled and the last couple issues, they were trying to wrap up so many loose ends that you didn't have enough time. You didn't just have enough time to finish what you wanted. And that, that stinks. Cause I, I do think they were on to some good formula. Yeah. yeah. I, I liked what they were doing. They, they had a good, set up going and and there there was more that they could keep doing yeah it, it is interesting to me i think they needed the push because i think i had almost forgotten about the prodigy story line oh yeah he died and doesn't know how so it sort of needed a push to get moving but then once it got it it just you know it got pushed off the edge and had to to wrap everything up but all the same i think a great collection of 10 books would recommend so that is our issues for the week but before we get out of here 
Kelsey, I want to talk with you just a little bit about where we've been and where we're going. So where we've been is the gala. What are your thoughts? As an event, as a whole, do these issues I, land for After you? the last issues, I liked the event. Um, you know, there was stuff in the middle where you're just kind of like, eh, whatever. But the whole purpose of the gala, the big flaunting of mutant power um, was big. That's important. They terraformed a planet, and more than that, they said, hey, any interspatial, any dealings on a galactic level, guess what? You come here now. You come to a different planet, and you deal with us, because there are no humans sitting on a council on Mars. I mean, they have representatives that can go to the city, but you know their voices are getting ignored, and I like that there are guests here. That's it. That I like that that in Sword that they address that as an issue. Even the intergalactic community is like, okay, you. I mean, you come from a planet that doesn't have a unified government, but you're just saying, yep. Yeah, now we meet over here. This is a unified government because we just showed up, which is funny because they're like, oh yeah, it's a planet of people who know only war. This is a unified place, so we're we're good. I mean, it'll work out. I I like to see that even other good guys, you know, Nova, not happy with what's going on. You have Captain America, not that he's angry about it, but he's cautious about the future. No, I mean, let's be clear: terraforming a planet and then claiming ownership of a solar system is a straight up supervillain move. Oh, a hundred percent supervillain move, and you still have to deal with problems. You know, when okay. If Guy Rich is able to go to, God, what is his, the Guardian? It is Guardian. It is Guardian. Okay, go to Guardian, and who is a good guy, right? And, and use say, this as a hey, way to be like, hey, have you ever heard of Orcus? Let me let me tell you about my friends at Orcus here. And he's, it, you know, he's sitting. goes like, man, this is like a fashion event. What are they doing here? And I mean, what a pitch. Yeah, where he's like, you see these people who just terraformed a planet, and now they're claiming ownership of your entire solar system. Yeah, you want to join some people that maybe think that's not so chill. It's like these people are going to make galactic level decisions for your solar system, and, and you're you not going to have any input. No input, none, none, not a, vo- not even a voice. You can't even complain about it. Not a tough sell. I mean, yeah, it's like more and more. This is why, I mean, from the beginning, I keep saying, you know, if I'm humans, Orcus is looking really good to me right now. It's like you can say there are these evil races. I'm like, right now they seem really justified in their fear. It's like, yeah, I think if I'm a human, I want a a, a sentinel-making base orbiting the sun. You know, right, uh, I, I would love to have Nimrods walking around for <laughs> for my benefit. So here's my thing as far as the gala. I think to me, the gala is a, a microcosm of the gala is planet sized X Men. Yes. I think it's an enormous set piece to get to where we need to go for the rest of these stories. I just don't know that individually enough of the stories really nailed it to make it. Well, a necessarily successful event to me. Like I think Hellions, Way of X did a good job. Way of X, yeah. but even Hellions was just Hellions with a backdrop of yep. the gala. Yeah. So I mean, it's Fair fun, it's entertaining, but it's not necessarily. I don't know when I look at the. I event thought Marauders whole, was good. I thought Marauders was yeah. good in this for setting it up. 
I thought that X Factor was good. The the Wanda Maximoff death, I think, will be interesting coming forward. The trial of Magneto, I think, will be a fun murder mystery. I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. Especially, I think it'll tie into Sword well. I mean that those are, though there are ramifications for what happened at this event. Um, so if it's your X-Men, favorite event or not, it's big pieces. There's big I, pieces. I'll tell you this. I like this event more than I like Ten of Swords. Okay. Ten That's... of Swords had a couple cool moments, but I don't think they had the ramifications that this does. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm a sucker for crossover books with ramifications on the universe. And that is certainly present. And that's why, that's why, in my opinion, I thought sword won the week. Well, wait, uh, wait, uh, wave X was last week. Yeah. I was like, but sword won this week. Well, sword was last week too. No, it was, was it? Yeah. Sword was last week, mm. but so this is, did sword win the two weeks for you? No way of X probably wave won X. two weeks, but sword sword justified, the gala to me more than any other other issue. I, I will say this looking at five issues though. I think sword was a good issue. It ties to the gala. I think way of X is a great issue. It used the gala. I think X factor was a little rush, but for what it is a very good issue and, and a conclusion to their book. And then even cable, not gala related. I thought was an excellent good. issue. Yeah. I, I thought we got great issues. And I didn't hate Wolverine mainly because Wolverine finally starts going, wait, what were we doing? And then Domino's kind of also wondering, wait, what were we doing? So knowing that we have this sort of in the in the rearview mirror, the next big thing coming up that we've talked about, Trial of Magneto. Yes. Right? Wanda appears to be dead. Yes. And it looks like the last person that saw her is the last we saw a her loving father, father figure. Yeah, last right. last we saw, but everyone else has last been hearing him say, you know, calling her pretender and things like that. So and, oh, we didn't even bring this up from uh, X-Factor, that she gets found by her son. Like, oh, yeah, Speed. Speed finds her. That's right. That's one uh, of the twins. I tells, tells him, no, don't. Don't go do that. Yeah, because he yeah. knows, like, somebody else can find the body. It doesn't have to be your child. That Her son finds her body. Yeah. And so now we have a dead Wanda, as you've mentioned, theoretically not a mutant, can't be resurrected. Mm-hmm. That this, should, you know, in comics, what's ever permanent. But this should at least be have that impact of a real death right. and then it's but then the question becomes is the trial of magneto for violating the rule of kill no, no man, man. Yeah. right but at the same time it feels like if there's anybody krakoa would have been okay with getting the axe it's her i mean they've built a culture around her I, it's like she's the boogeyman i also I also wonder how willing they are to enforce this kill no man as most of what they have been doing. uh, I mean, listen, they've got, you could go on the, um, the, the theory. Let's, let's say ethically speaking, they have drugs that they could offer to save people's lives, regardless of whether a nation accepts them or right. not people are dying and i think they might have mentioned this one of the nations mentions this at some point i think but that you know, are you like, not killing by yeah, not are, are you not killing by doing nothing you can save these people but you don't because of a political reason are you not killing 
you know, these are some moral and ethical quandaries so that I have how, no doubt Wave how, X is going to have to raise. Yeah. How so, are they going to, you know, do that kind of trial? So, speaking of Way of X, by the way, and I'll just kind of wrap this up, I think we get a panel at the end of Drunken Nightcrawler's Night. He's there. He's theoretically the only person that's not Magneto or Wanda. He sees them. That's yeah, right. and so who knows what he remembers? Because it seems like he is yeah. just straight wasty face. And but and let, let's be honest, if he's part of the defense as a prosecutor, you're going. It's like you're drunk. What did you say? Oh, it's it's going to be phenomenal if he is the most important witness, and everybody on Krakow is like. That dude was blasted. He was just coming up to me, like draping his arm around me, being like, "Hey, what do you think about culture? And we have to find the strings that bind us." Well, here's the here's also the how do you do a trial on a in a country a nation with mind readers? Right? Can somebody extract that? What does a trial mean? Maybe right. ooh, maybe this is going to answer my most important question. What's a Krakoan justice system look like? Yeah, because we have yet to see it. Well, no, we 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 saw it. Is executive fiat? Well, council fiat. <laughs> they throw you in a pit. <laughs> they throw you, I, hold on. They throw you in a pit because of. They have applied their rules retroactively. <laughs> I have to imagine that's not going to be the entire event for a tri- trial Magneto. It's one issue. It's like, hey, did he do it? Yeah, probably. Throw him in the hole. Yeah. Done. All right. Well, that is a lot behind us. Yeah. But it's also a lot to look forward to. And if this hot streak of issues continues, I, I think we're in for a lot of great stuff. We've got Inferno coming up. We've got Trial Magneto coming up. And especially if this is revving up, and I think a lot of books had to bend some things maybe to fit to the gala. And if if we are really in this hot streak of comics and now they're unchained from that, and we get to see these repercussions and where do they go, I am super excited for this continuation we get you know the end of cable where way of x is going the new, the new team the of new x new yeah. x-men i think there is a ton to be excited for right and for now. quentin more hellions that is true as far as we know we're just gonna keep getting hellions so speaking of quentin by the way we're gonna uh check out of here kelsey and i but as promised from earlier if you've stuck around this long you deserve it we're going to transition into uh, Quentin's, Quentin's kind of three-minute uninterrupted rant. He even makes a point to tell you we don't have the opportunity to tell him that he's wrong, and I don't want to edit in interjections because that seems like a lot of work. And you know what? Let's celebrate him. He got married. Give him the uninterrupted time. So we will see you guys next week with more X action. Peace. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Quentin. Uh, just got back from my own Hellfire Gal. I got married this week to my beautiful wife uh couldn't be more excited about that but unfortunately that means i will not be available for the podcast this week uh which is a shame because hellfire gal is wrapping up this week and we also get the finale of cable let's go ahead and backtrack to last week i'll let you know my thoughts uh and i'm going to enjoy sharing them in a way that uh i can't have any arguments going against me so uh my word is final apparently uh let's talk last week i'll say the book of the week easily way of x uh Tic-tac-toe, three in a row, third issue of this book, and it's just as strong as it's always been. I think it might be my favorite issue of Hellfire Gala, period. The use of first-person perspective, uh, the comedic tone, the hints of a larger purpose. Uh, I feel like we're really good, like the spying on Mystique and 
uh, not Mystique, I mean Scarlet Witch and Magneto. All of that worked for me. Everything about this book was firing on all cylinders. Uh, Swords reveal that Storm is the Queen of Soul. Didn't do a lot for me. You can't just uh, make a book's premise a reveal like this that doesn't have any payoff with it or or doesn't feel earned. Uh, hopefully they use Storm in a way, uh, because honestly, Marauders did nothing to position her for this, in my opinion. And I feel like, uh, you know, Planet X has a lot of complications with it that they didn't explore at all. We're just kind of in it now. Um, moving on, uh, Wolverine, you know, kind of just uh, was Wolverine. It's a Ben Percy book. Uh, I feel like if you if you like what he's done so far, you like this. But I don't think you're going to write uh, to mom about how great this book was. Uh, this week's books, however, uh, we got a strong last outing from X Factor. Uh, a little more emotional to see this book go than I thought I would be. Uh, particularly some of the growth of Dakin, uh, North Star, several characters I found uh, to enjoy reading. We won't have any more, particularly as this writer leaves for the trial of Magneto. Um, I will say the one sour note for me was uh, Way of X did a great job of teasing something to do with Scarlet Witch. This book, just having her be dead, uh, doesn't feel earned. Um, doesn't really make sense why she was there, how she got there, why they would allow it if people are this fanatical about her. Um, and why Magneto is being framed, uh, that doesn't do it for me. If the Hellfire Gala was just the reveal of Planet X, I need some emotion, I need some character, and this reveal didn't do much for me. Uh, but a book that does have everything I talked about, as far as character, growth, uh, you know, movement, uh, story arcs, uh, we're talking Cable, and this one wraps up what we've done beautifully as a penultimate issue. Um, more excited for 12 than other. Than ever, the the cast is great. They did a great job of building them all in, bringing them, um, having a purpose for Old Man Cable to come back and still have Kid Cable. And I can't wait to see what they do with this book. Uh, hopefully, this spins into something else, and hopefully, we get a finale that delivers. That's my thoughts. Uh, argue with me if you want. Oh wait, you can't. Uh, guys, have a great week. Uh, and uh, let's go, uh, Brain Events. Let's, let's see what they do next. Hopefully. This Scarlet Witch story arc uh, leads to some character growth, and this storm announcement uh, leads to some character growth. That's my thoughts. Bye. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at Examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N dot blogspot dot com and at Examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, help us grow the community by giving us an Omega Level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.